terms are really not my thing. I just, I have two kids that actually build stuff, and I watch HGTV, so I'm smart about these things. And I'm going to do my best to try and explain the idea of footings again. Now, I'm old, and I'm used to overhead projectors, but when I say overhead, they don't hang overhead. They're this box with a light in it and an arm like this. And anyway, I forget, I can show you pictures of stuff. So this morning, I'm hoping with pictures of footings, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But footings are the perfect metaphor for God. Footings are unseen. They're underneath the foundation walls. They are buried in earth. And in our life, God is unseen. I don't know how many of you think about footings in your lives, but most people don't remember they're even there. And I wonder if we forget God's there sometimes, that he is what's holding us up. Now, I think that's a picture. Yes, that is not a footing yet, but it will be. All that metal tied together will have cement poured around that base, and that cement is dug deep in, and it will take the weight of a building. That one there actually is what you would do for a parking garage or something bigger and stronger. That pole sticking out would become a support pole. It's dug deeper than the floor. It's dug stronger. And it's a special type of cement. Usually there's more strength to that cement to make sure that that building won't collapse. And that's like God. God is what supports everything we are. Now, if this was your house, you would have this around the outside of your house and they'd pour cement in it and would hold up the foundation walls. I don't know if you've ever seen these, but if you drive by a construction site, you'll see these big holes dug for the houses and then someone pours these little things about this wide in. And then it looks like they do nothing for a long time. And that's the cement curing, getting its strength. And those little pokey up metal things, that's what ties in the foundation. That's what keeps everything from sliding off. They're going to probably put another picture up here that's a block wall. Maybe you have a poured cement wall. But we need a foundation in our lives. Once everything rests on God... We need a foundation to hold us up. We are sinful. We are crumbling in our state. But God holds us up. God's love is our foundation on everything in our life. Love is what we need to build. God loves us. And we love God. A foundation does two things. One, it holds up the building. But two, it ties the building in to the footing. When God loves us through his only son, we are held up in our sinful state of disrepair and falling apart. And when we love God, we are tied into God. A storm cannot wipe us out, cannot move us, because we're tied into a God that can support anything that comes our way. Today's verses I'm going to use are ones that you probably have memorized. I always open up my Bible because I've memorized them in King James and just about everything else, and I never know what mixture is going to come out of my mouth. So if you think I've forgotten the verse, you're, you're probably right. Let me try reading it for you here. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent his only son. That is what supports us. Our lives were crumbling in sin, but God loved us so much that he sent his son. 
the foundation of our faith, the foundation of who we are in Christ, lies in what Christ did, the sacrifice at the cross. I think, unfortunately, we make it kind of simple, don't we? Jesus died, sins are forgiven, everything's okay. But we need to respond. God's love is there to hold us up, but we need to respond. We have a responsibility to tie into God. There must be stability. It's not a haphazard piling of our faith on God. Jesus died. There we go. Everything's taken care of. Let's just wait. We'll die. We go to heaven. It's all over. God calls us to be more, to do more. We have a job to do. Those pictures of the footing had metal sticking up. That's what ties in. We need to be tied into God through love ourselves. As God loves and demonstrates love, we need to love God back. And that's what ties us in. It's a relationship. It's one based in love. If we're willing to believe that God is the footings on everything rests and God loves us and holds us up, then we need to take responsibility for loving God back. There is nothing in the Christian life we can do on our own. So when I say take responsibility, a lot of it's simply making a choice and letting God do the rest. I can never love God well enough. I am never good enough at loving God because I will never measure up to the love that God gave me through Jesus Christ's death. But still, we are called to love God back. And it's not easy. It's not comfortable. And it is demanding. Again, back to some of these verses that we all know. And again, I'm going to read them because I don't want to mess them up here. But there was a question asked. Someone, an expert in the law, wanted to ask Jesus a question. And the question was, teacher, which is the greatest command? There's a couple things I like about this. One, Jesus answers with two commands. And two, Jesus says the greatest command is actually up to us. And it relates to God and it relates to mankind. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything we are, all the rules, everything the prophets said, everything that came from God to us in his word hangs on loving God and loving our fellow man. Love upwards, love God. Love outwards, love those in your life who do not believe in God. And love inwards. Love your fellow Christ followers. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. To tie into God is to obediently love and sacrifice all the time. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, with everything, your very being. It isn't a passing moment or a feeling. It is active. That being said, I cannot cover love upwards and love outwards all in one Sunday. I thought I'd stick with loving God. For some of you, it's going to be, oh, that sounds simple. For others, it's going to be, that just sounds ridiculously hard. And I think it can be both. The concept is simple. The process is the most difficult thing that we enter into. I don't know about you, but when I think of loving someone, I think about pleasing them, maybe even impressing them, making them like me back or love me back. I don't know if you saw the flaw there, but... If I'm trying to impress someone, trying to impress God is not a good thing to set out to do. 
The creator of the universe is not impressed by me. I cannot show love through trying to impress God because God's not going to suddenly go, oh, look, there's Dave. Look how awesome he is. I'm going to love him back. It doesn't work that way. If our metaphor for loving God is trying to impress him, then we will never get tied into God. God already loves you in spite of you. You are his beautiful creation. You are also sinful. That was not his intention, but he still loves you. To use the metaphor of a foundation and footings, if we're going to try and impress God, it's just like dumping everything on him and hoping it stands up. And when the storm comes along, it doesn't. We don't tie into God until we're impressed by God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That should be impressive because he did it for you and he did it for me. 1 John 4, 19 says, it's not that we loved him first, but that he loved us first. Isn't that impressive? He loved Dave, rags and all, mess and all. He loved me before I could even conceive of who he was. And I will never fully know who he is, but he still loved me. To tie into God is to react, not to act. We often say love is an action, but when it comes to God, it is a reaction to His love. Actions, usually we judge them, we try and move ourselves forward, we try and do stuff to make it happen, but it already happened. God already loves you. I would say that in my life, after 34 years of marriage, I've learned something, probably only one thing. And that is, I can try and be impressive all I want, but I will impress my wife with what I think impresses her. I'm not likely to say, what do you want? I'm likely to do something because I don't want her to know that I'm trying to impress her. I tend to act in love based on what I would want in that situation. Well, first of all, we're not the same gender. We do not have the same upbringing. And other than the last 34 years together, even that is really not the same. As my wife was a stay-at-home mom and I was out working, so our experiences still were very different. For me to assume I can love my wife by guessing what she wants and serve her doesn't always work. Now, I get it right a lot of the times. We know each other. 34 years together, I can pretty well guess not to buy her a lawnmower for Christmas. That would be a good choice, or a dishwasher, or anything like that. If I want to actually live in a doghouse, I should probably buy a doghouse because that's what's going to happen when I mess up. But the truth is there's pitfalls when I guess how to love, when I don't serve my wife's needs. And those pitfalls are bigger with God. When we don't surrender to God, we create issues in our own tying into God because we try to impress Him. We talked about that last week. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. What makes us think we can come up with a way to love God that's going to impress him? It's going to make him happy. It's not hopeless, though. God actually has a way that is much more simple and much more difficult than you can imagine. And it is the word surrender. Or we could use the word sacrifice. When we give over to God... We love God. Now, it's hard to do because I kind of like doing things my way. But it's easy in that I'm actually giving up and giving over instead of trying to impress God. We have a responsibility to let God be God, and that is actually loving God. 
I don't know how that works with my wife. I know there's a sacrificial part of love, but if I sat on the couch and said, I give up, I give over, I'm not sure she'd take it the way I intend that. But when I do with God, in my prayer time, I say, God, I am yours. Tell me what to do. When I am willing to give up who I am to become who he designed me to be, I tie into God through love. See, we're to give up who we are in sin and become who we are in Christ. What Christ has done for us. It's not our responsibility to earn anything it is done, but it is our responsibility to embrace it. I often talk about it like breathing. Air is out there. But if you want to live, you actually have to breathe it in. You didn't create it. I don't know that we deserve air. I don't know if you could even quantify that. But just salvation's the same way. You didn't earn it, but you do have to breathe in salvation. You do have to believe. You have a responsibility not to save yourself, but to accept being saved. To tie into God's love, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to breathe in his love. To love God with all I am by giving up my belief system and letting him take that over, which would be my heart giving up who I am, which is my soul, my being, and letting him determine who I am in Christ. And the hardest part, giving up my thoughts. Because I got God figured all out. I know what he's going to do next. Says no one who knows what they're saying. I don't know what God's going to do next. I don't know exactly what God wants. But as we talked about last week, God is holy and perfect. To give over to a holy and perfect God is to love God and surrender to his way. We were designed, this may shock you, to actually be totally surrendered to God. The garden was a place of surrender. God walked with Adam and Eve. I think it's really interesting, if we really look at it, they had a relationship. Adam and Eve didn't walk around and say, is this right, is this wrong? It appears they didn't even really care because God was there and he set that standard. They didn't walk around and say, what next? They followed God around the garden. They didn't even need their own thoughts until a little snake came up and said, hey, you can be like God. You can know right from wrong. Wouldn't it have been paradise not to have to make that judgment? To simply let God lead you, not to have to try and figure it out, but we want to be like God. And we walked away from our design. Our design was to be totally reliant, totally surrendered, totally sacrificed to God. He would take over our belief system, our ways, and our thoughts. We would react to his perfection rather than take actions to try and be perfect. Surrender is what we're called to do. Sacrifice is how we love God, but we tend to want to do it ourselves. These terms, our heart, our soul, our mind, can be foreign to us. Our heart really translates into our belief system. To love God in our belief system. That one's kind of easier. You can grab the Bible, and although we'll have slightly different interpretations, I think we all agree Jesus died. He's our Savior. That's what makes us a follower of Christ. But then the other part comes in. I have a sin nature. Who I am has been interfered with by the evil of sin. To love God with who I am means I have to turn over that and let Jesus transform my life. And that's not easy. 
I have to turn over my thought process in which I've decided how God works and let God take that over. That is sacrificial love. God turned over his son to the ways of the world and we turn over ourselves to the perfection of God. It is a trade. It is our salvation and our life tied into God when we say, I am God's and no one else's. I think we get them kind of mixed together, don't we? It gets real bad out there. We, we turn it over to God because we can't fix it. What if everything we did was turned over to God? What if everything we believed was placed in God? What if every moment included a prayer, not our own thoughts, but your ways, God? What would happen in our lives? Well, I'd say we'd feel safer. We'd feel tied in to God. When we look at our own minds and our own ways, they have ulterior motives that serve us. Jesus said nothing and humbly went to the cross. Which one of us would have kept our mouths shut? Which one of us would not want to defend ourselves, especially if we were Jesus, perfect in every way? I'd be screaming, don't you see I'm Jesus, I'm perfect, what are you doing? And what was Jesus doing? That's what you say. That was one of his answers, and his head went down, and I can see him simply accepting that he is sacrificing. Regardless of what it is, he is giving into the way of the Father regardless of his own perfection and holiness. We need to do the same. We need to surrender to God to be tied into him, to weather the storms. I like the way Paul puts it in his letter to the Romans. In Romans 12, and again, these are verses we should all know, but I will read them because my memory doesn't work. Here we go. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what is God's mercy? The sacrifice of his son, his willingness to give us salvation. In view of what God did, John 3:16, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Surrender to God everything. Become a living sacrifice. Don't be like the world, but let God transform your mind. If we're going to love God with everything we are, we need to turn over who we are and what we think. God pours into us, and when we do that, we determine God's good and pleasing will, not because we know what it is through our own strength, but God pours into us. We tie into God, we love God, we become like God. If God, in his perfection, considers sacrifice a beautiful gift, then we in our imperfection should do the same. We can do that kind of neat to think we can please God by not doing anything but saying, God, here I am. He doesn't demand of us anything, and yet he demands of us everything. What a joy it is to love God fully, but that is the challenge of our lives. It's also a challenge of our churches. You see, even as a church, it is difficult to live as a surrendered organization. We have a belief system. We have a thought process. 
We have a way of doing things. So as people tied into God as individuals, we also come together and we tie in as a church. We must value God above all else. We often think of the church as just our church here. But any church is part of the worldwide church. And the worldwide church is determined by its willingness to surrender completely to God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to surrender to the truth of God, not to our own comfort. We need to be defined by the only way, Jesus Christ. And our life does not come from a process or a document. It doesn't come from a budget or a program. It comes from total surrender to God. There are people meeting out under some indigenous tree somewhere in Africa, and that's their church. And they're no more a church than us. There are people walking four hours to get to church, and they're no different than me driving my car. Because what holds us together is they are tied in through their love of God and surrender. The building doesn't define us. Our programs don't define us. God defines us. And to tie into God is to love God, to pray, and respond obedient to his call instead of trying to impress him. It's tough. Because I don't think my faith is big enough. But it is growing. I don't trust God enough. He scares me. What if I say it's all yours, God, and he doesn't come through the way I want? And yet, that is loving God and saying, you know better, I trust you. What if he asks me to do something that's uncomfortable? Do I value him enough? Will I surrender? Because that's what loving God is. If you find the storms of life are blowing you around, it may be that you're not surrendered totally to God and tied into him through love. He's holding you up. Are you giving in to him and his perfection? It is a huge challenge. And when the storms of life come, if we don't love God fully with all we are, we find ourselves trying to rely on ourselves. And we find ourselves in a mode where that foundation is weak. And that building begins to move. Our lives begin to shift. I want to challenge all of us this morning to say, God, where can I value you more in my life? Where can I let you define who I am more? Where can I allow my thoughts to be removed and yours to replace them? Where can I totally love you with all I am? God wants to do this. And it'll be scary, but the results are phenomenal. A life lived in reliance on God, in love with God, is a life with purpose, meaning, strength. And it's actually a life that eventually only fears God. Because what else can it be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, show us how to love you totally. Show us how to surrender to you. God, change the way we think so that you are more important. God, we are susceptible to the winds and the waves and the water and the storms of this world. But God, help us to believe fully in you. Help us to be defined fully by you. And help us to think only in the ways you think. It's a lifelong journey, God, but your love is deep and wide.
It's immeasurable, God, and we know you walk with us. Help us to walk with you. In your name we pray.